Broadcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Oh, wait for it again. Where's our song? Yeah. Here it comes. I really like this song. I know. Anyway, you guys that are tuned in, we are here again for another after show for After Buzz TV. We're here talking high profits. Today, we are so excited. We've got special guest, Catherine Grimm, who's super excited to be here. We're super excited that she's here. Also, I've got the lovely Meredith Placco on the panel today. Hey, guys. It's, uh, I'm like, this is probably going to be one of my favorite shows because yes. you have just been fantastic to watch and I'm thank really excited you. to have you so thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. you're kind of the badass. <laughs> I kind of am. Yeah. Kind of am a badass. I love it. I love it. Um, thank you guys again for tuning in and again we appreciate your comments. Please go to iTunes, YouTube, give us some comments, rate us, give us some stars, give us some love. We love bringing you this show. Yeah. So let's get right into it. So this episode, she will kill us all. I think they're talking about you. <laughs> I will tell you, I saw the header for the show before I've seen the show. We see them as they come. Right. And I saw the header for the show, and I went, oh, shit. Wait, can I cuss? <laughs> Should I keep that together? You, you, no, you yeah. can say that. <laughs> yeah. we try not to drop the yeah. bombs. Yep. yep. Put, a, put a shit here now and there. It's kind of okay. <laughs> it's natural. It, it, if anybody's keeping up, I yeah. obviously am not very good at, you know, reigning that in on the show. So <laughs> hey. CNN can bleep me. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can, I'll bleep you, too. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so this episode opens up with Caitlin kind of having a complaint, so to speak. And for me, I don't know how this made you guys feel, but yes, she has been a little bit quiet. But after watching this episode, I feel like she's kind of wishy-washy. Love her. No disrespect. But it's like, they're not listening to me, but I might want to get out. I can't handle it. But I don't know. Well, it's, it's very obvious she's kind of in over her head with this. It's you know, it's, it seems like it was Brian's big dream to do this, and she's being wonderful and supporting him. But you know, it, it's hard. It's hard when it's it takes such a huge emotional and, and physical toll on you. Yeah. The other thing is, Caitlin's young. I mean, but. I think she's probably at least five years younger than me. And there's there's a maturity that comes, and I'm not saying anything. We're just very different people, mm-hmm. right? One's not right or wrong. We're very different people. Right. Um, she's definitely... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Trying yeah. to be nice, right? <laughs> no, exactly. no, it's... Yeah. This is, yeah. not, we love Caitlin. We love mm-hmm. the show. We're not trying to depart, but Amazing you've had person. an experience yeah. that we haven't, so enlighten the viewers. And you know what? I know very little about Caitlyn more than what's on the show. I have right. not spoken to her, which is my other experience. So all of my interactions were with Brian. And Brian right. was yeah. the face of it all. And I think Caitlyn is just more of a backseat personality. She yeah. is. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And, um, you know, something that stood out to me in this episode, specifically about Brian, is we learn in this episode that when Brian was 21 years old, he was he got in trouble for having three plants. And he wasn't selling. He was just growing weed. Mm-hmm. And he had two felonies against him. Which in itself is 
crazy when you look at the things that happen with our legal system nowadays that that's two felony that, that accounts three, for that three plants, plants yeah. and like two ounces of considered intent to sell it, craziness yeah but so my question is and i don't know if i'm piecing this together correctly in my head mm-hmm. my understanding is that Brian wanted to have this company. Mm-hmm. He could not because of his criminal background. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it had to go through Caitlin's name. Therefore, that's why she seems to have the ownership and yes. be involved. Yes. So if Brian didn't have these this record, so to speak, maybe it would have just been his venture and she could have maybe been working doing something else or... Is that a fair assumption, or is that totally not right? That's the general assumption, and I don't think Brian and Caitlin are the only ones who are that way in this business. I think there's a lot of wives or girlfriends that tend to be figureheads in these businesses Mm -hmm. for those reasons. Really? Because you can't, yeah. And it's so silly. It's such an awkward... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline position because this was black market. And if anybody that's getting into this, if anybody has any history in this, it was an illegal history, right? Mm -hmm. That said, when they're creating these regulations, they're doing a very, they're trying to make sure that the cartels stay out and that organized crime stays out. So they put certain regulations in place to prevent those types of people from getting involved. And it's kind of created this weird gray area for people who are not criminal enterprises, but just happened to have been in marijuana prior to the laws changing. Yeah, that's so interesting. It, it, you know, and it, it's so tough because we've we've talked about the, the criminal element before, and I feel like, I don't know, it's just this is one of those things that, like, I've seen enough people get busted for things. I'm like, really? Can yeah. we, is there a way that maybe we can, like, work on expunging some people's records so yeah. they can actually go forward and live their lives? Because there, there's a huge difference between someone, like, slinging truckloads of, like, marijuana and crystal meth and, you know, some kid out of college who has a f- couple of plants. Yeah. Right. No, I agree with you. But I do think, you know, not only are we enlightened to that fact and now we get a little bit more about Brian and Caitlin's partnerships. And for me, this episode was all about partnerships. Yeah. I don't know I don't know if you guys felt that oh, way yeah. too, but it was all the different partnerships. Which is amazing because once again, CNN nails it that makes this show can go across any business. Mm-hmm. Any business sure. owner can relate to this show, which yeah. is so great. It just happens to be businesses and the laws about marijuana, which again, we talk about that are kind of taboo for some people to talk about. But we're trying to keep that conversation going. <laughs> um, but for me, what I also got from the, from us knowing that background mm-hmm. on Brian is that maybe that's why he's so rule fo- like such a rule follower. Because I don't know, like I mean, and again, we're not trying to get you in trouble or anything, but like <laughs> they shredded a million dollars worth of weed. Okay, this is one that gets me. Uh oh. Oh, she's turning oh, red. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> this is so Here's good. the thing. I love you. The regulations are crap. Like, there mm-hmm. are regulations that just are silly and are annoying, and they, but they are what they are. And people know that. And people that are in this business know that you can't transfer plants from one, um, one cultivating center to another. So the fact that he chose to grow that many plants in a center that couldn't support that many plants with the intent to transfer them 
is kind of his own fault. Why oh, would you have grown them that's there? That's not how yeah. they, they paint the picture. Right. That's not a brand new rule. It's just a regulation that they didn't necessarily understand, yeah. which happens a lot. And there have been regulations that I didn't understand right. that have come back to bite me as well. So I don't fault him for it, but it's also not quite – I don't understand why it's so dramatic in that sense because anybody that's in the business is watching it and saying, well, that's just silly. Why did you grow plants that couldn't be sustained there anyway? Well, and where I go – and again, me, I don't know a lot about growing weed mm-hmm. at all. Maybe nothing. But is less <laughs> what I've seen from the show. What I don't understand, like where my business head goes to, is why didn't they, with the amount of money they lost, wouldn't it have just made more sense to pay money to keep that facility open and to start the new one? And the, even if they had a, you know, shred less, half of it, which would have been $500,000 opposed to losing a million dollars, would they not have had room to keep any so that they could have made money while they were using the 100 days to grow somewhere else? Like, I just didn't understand why it was so black or white. Yeah. My understanding as I'm watching it is they didn't actually shred all of them. That they did keep some that could be sustained there. But that facility Uh. is tiny compared to their new one. Right. So the amount that could be sustained there was very small in terms of what they were shredding. The other pieces understand when you call that a million dollars worth of weed, it's a million dollars worth of weed three or four months from that. right? Right. It's not... But even so, like, how much per month does it take to keep the grow facility open? Like, that's got to be less than a million dollars. Sure, yes. But you're still, again, probably, like, close to 100000 if not more, because with electricity, rent, I mean, you know, it's... $100,000 a month? Well, I mean, you you know, I mean, from you guys building, you know, we wa- we're we watching you build your huge facility. There's a lot of wattage going on just for those plants, and I can't... I mean, obviously, I don't think electricity is as high in Breck as it is here in L.A., but... I mean, hundred thousand. I don't know. I mean, it's not cheap. Maybe I think not. I think the average is something like twenty thousand a month. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah. But it's still your electric bill is huge. We had a special yeah. transformer put in oh, wow. just to support what we had to build. Do you guys do any yeah. solar for that? I know Colorado is super. I mean, you fly into the airport, you see solar. Sure. Yeah. It's the general talk right now. Everybody right. in the industry is discussing how to become more energy efficient mm-hmm. because we are certainly wasting things. Yeah. Um, it's grown up from a black market industry, so that's it's what you need to understand. Everybody's mentality yeah. is how to hide what they're yeah. doing. So giant solar panels on your roof is not exactly <laughs> yeah. discreet. We right? got some weed in here. <laughs> it comes, no, we're here. That's really true. And it is, again, it's it's almost a tougher business than most. You know, there are parallels with growing any business, but the growing pains for this business I feel like are more intense and extreme than any other business because there's a lot more hindering factors, like the banks, mm-hmm. the, the fact that everyone needs to keep it kind of undercover because of XYZ reasons. So I feel like um, wow, that's really interesting. What's really unique is it is one of the most difficult business climates to navigate because of all those odd tiny factors. Mm -hmm. And yet it's an industry made up of small business people. It's not an industry made up of corporations who have teams and cash and money to navigate all of this. It's you and I sitting around deciding to start a small business with a couple of employees and having to navigate this incredibly, incredibly complex regulatory environment. I have a question. Why do you think that a big corporation hasn't come in to try and do that yet? Because of because of the, the branding, you know, the, the co-branding? Sure. I mean, there's money coming in. So there's a company called Privateer Holdings that just did $75 million of their first funding round. Oh, um, they own the rights to the Marley natural brand, as in Bob Marley. Mm. 
So there is uh, money coming in for sure. The right. reason it has been not the corporations getting involved is because of the state by state and because it really is so new. So living right. in Colorado, this feels like we are so far along. And in reality, we're not. And when we talk about nationwide, there's still so much to go and there's so much to change. So the technology that I put in my cultivation center today, five years from now, two years from now is probably going to be obsolete and I'm going to have to redo all of it. Right. So as you mm-hmm. learn those things, I think there are certain corporations that are waiting for that to happen before they get involved. It really is. You know, and it's funny, not funny, but it's because, you know, marijuana has been around for so long. It's it's hard to associate that it's such a brand new business, but, mm-hmm. it, but it is. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's very, it's, it's very... The, it's a new model of business they're working with right now. Um, no, so I don't want to jump too ahead, but has, is the bank situation been resolved at all, or banks will still not accept money? <laughs> Every time we think it's resolved, yeah. it's, there's a step back. Oh so we have people in D.C. Mm-hmm. lobbying heavily to get this fixed for us. There have been several different memos released that moved that forward and said, all right, banks, here's what you can do to work with a marijuana business. The challenge is what that memo basically says is the bank has to also audit every transaction. And if you are a bud tender in my dispensary and you sell to an underage person and I as the bank ultimately accept the cash for that sale, I as the bank am liable for that sale. But why is that? Is that like that's crazy to me? Yeah, it is. It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Um, it's because of the, I mean, technically we're laundering m- drug money, right? Technically oh, we're laundering level, drug yeah. money. And the banks are worried about losing their own licenses, their own FDIC insurance. There's a, Colorado tried to do a state um, credit union mm-hmm. and they couldn't get FDIC insurance for it and nobody would give them their money because if it's not insured, why would I give my money to you? I'm just going to put it in this vault. Yeah. Um, there's another credit union now called Fourth Corner Credit Union that's trying to get up and running and they were supposed to go live in January, I believe, wow. they are still waiting for FDIC approval. Still pending approval for it. That's just so... I mean, I can I can understand, but then again, I can't wrap my head around the fact that the, like they're not going to... And we've said it before. Yeah. It's like yeah. they're not going to give you a safe place to keep your money, but yet they're going to want to take some of your money. And yep. that, it's like, make a choice. It's yeah. one leg's in, one leg's out. Well, and the people in this business want to be legitimate. Mm-hmm. And it is so... It's not that it's... It is. It's difficult to do it in a cash environment. And I want you to see everything I'm doing. I want you to monitor every transaction I'm doing. But the books that I have to keep to do that are so onerous and just... Yeah, it's well, silly, and it's it's so scary to me because you want to take that that really criminal element out of it, but by not having you know a safe place for people to put their money, that puts people at risk, yeah. and it's really scary. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, because of the curious person I am, like, <laughs> did, how did they not think of this? Like, how did they not foresee problems like this happening when they had you know legalized recreational marijuana in you know Colorado, Washington? Like, how did they not? foresee that huge problems like this would exist for people? Or is that part of, you know, weeding out the ones that won't be smart enough to figure it out? I'm not sure that anyone foresaw quite how big the recreational market was going to be compared to the medical market Mm. as quickly as it was. Right? It was certainly the hope and it was the best case scenario for everyone. But when people were passing those laws, we were still thinking very much in a medical mindset. And that's just such a different market than what recreational has become. 
So it was a problem back in medical, but medical was so small we weren't talking about it, and mm-hmm. no one was looking at it. And now that it's become so much larger looking at it recreational-wise, now suddenly it's like, oh, we need to do something, but you're waiting on the feds to do something. And things just don't move quickly in the federal government. And you think they just yeah, don't move quickly. This has, to, this has to do with money and money that they're receiving. Yeah, but sure. they're still getting their money, so I guess they don't care that you're not safe with yours. And, and also think about all the people yeah. who are also against this, you know, still entrenched, you know. It's it's a very hard uphill battle you guys are, are yeah. fighting. And you, oh, go on. Just while we're on the subject mm-hmm. of money, there's one other piece that doesn't get taught, uh, hit on on the show. The tax code was written in the 70s. They put this little thing called 280E is the, code, the tax code mm-hmm. that says if you are laundering drug money, you can't write off any of your standard business expenses. So we have businesses in this industry whose effective tax rates are 70 and 80 percent because I can't write off my employees' salaries. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So the mindset of that is wouldn't you want to just pay them cash and it be less cash that you have to report? Sure. But but then watch this. Watch this. (laughs) You pay in cash and they charge you a cash penalty. Mm. They're just trying <laughs> to get to every which way. Oh my! It is. It's almost like they've they've figured out all the ways to screw you, yeah. but not the ways to to make sense of it. I will say this: I don't think anybody is trying to, to screw, screw us. You yeah. know, I don't see it as this giant conspiracy against the businesses. More so as everybody's got their own priorities, and we just haven't been a priority for anyone. And we talk about the regulations that the MED has put in place, the Colorado Enforcement Division. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're a giant pain sometimes, but nobody's doing it to make it harder for us. They're not doing it to weed people out. They're doing it because they don't understand that's, and because it's new. That's what I think it is. Yeah. I think it's just so much of let's just kind of throw it at the wall to yeah. see what sticks. Yep. And it's, uh, you know, it seems, you know, even just watching through the show, it, it seems like a very frustrating uh, process to yeah. go through. And, 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 you know, it'd be kind of nice if we could, if we could get some more on the federal level people speaking because I'm sure they're equally frustrated too because yeah, some sure. people are probably just like, I understand, though, the thing that to me just doesn't resonate as being fair is that because it's unknown to them and because somewhat it's unknown to... It's unknown to everybody, Mm -hmm. really, somewhat. But if they think something is the way it should be, they can penalize you. If they think... And and you do it not that way, they can penalize you. If they think something's the way it can be and they're wrong, they don't get penalized. Sure. Or you don't get money. Sure. So it's just very... That's where my problem was. Well, the other problem with with it needs to be like a given, like a relationship with the people that are succeeding in this business, so that they can then together figure out what makes the most sense for everyone. Like that seems to me like that communication should be a little bit different. And the MED tries; they do. They reach out to businesses, and businesses reach out to them. So that's something that I don't see with Brian and Caitlin as much. But I've seen Mm -hmm. other large businesses. If they were growing a certain number of clones and they wanted to transfer them, they would get a lawyer who reached out to the MED and asked for a letter of clarification, I think it's called. There's a specific legal term Mm -hmm. to say, can I or can't I do this? And then you get the memo back from the MED that says, yes, you can or no, you can't. So they do do that and they are communicating if you're reaching out to them. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. So there's our little... Marijuana lesson. It's so it's so fascinating. <laughs> I, I hope <laughs> everyone explains. Like, yeah, one, one A. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm sure we'll have one B C. <laughs> yeah, but um, the other thing again. So so one of the big things that happening in the town is these town council meetings, mm-hmm. and now we see this meeting where they're gonna 
decide whether or not they're going to let the public vote on this. And again, for me, you know, and I like to play devil's advocate sometimes, but for me, the fact that it lies in the hands of these random people that might not have any business knowledge nor marijuana knowledge, it's almost like the PTA of, you know, Breckenridge mm-hmm. are the ones to get. <laughs> am I wrong? You know, they're the ones that get yeah. to make this decision. Mm-hmm. And we see, you know, we see a lot of characters in here. But pretty much what happens is it boils down that the town's going to vote. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the only person that stands her ground is, uh, I believe her name is Erin. Giello. Giello. Elizabeth has turned. She's scared or influenced by, you know, money. Her and, job. Her, her job, actual, which is valid. Yeah. I mean, it's totally valid. Um, you know, but I, I still like her character a lot, though. I'm just angry at the. Her. I'm just angry at the people who are using her profession to. Inf- oh that, my god! That, I'm like, it's, I will say the drama of the show around this whole thing is simplified in comparison to the drama in real life that we experienced. Like none of this is hyped. If anything, it is toned down mm. to be able to tell a simple story. I mean, this was an incredibly, incredibly dramatic time in our lives. Just this constant up and down and up and down. And what are you going to do? And flip flopping and switching and people attacking. And Elizabeth couldn't go to the grocery store without being attacked. I mean, couldn't go to the grocery store without someone stopping her to yell at her about marijuana. That's insane yeah. to me. Ridiculous. You know, uh, so let's go back real quick. How? Tell us real quick about how you became involved in this project. Because, for, you know, <laughs> there was Brian and Caitlin. Yeah. And it seemed like, you know, this isn't a reality show. It's, it's a docuseries. But if you had to say character, you know, or sure. principles, it's Brian and Caitlin and then there's you. Yeah. So how did that happen? <laughs> it's actually really funny. I've had people email me or tweet at me and ask if I was a paid actress, really pushing to see how I got involved in the show because it mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't make sense and it's not totally clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's almost this perfect foil to Brian and Caitlin. But honestly, I was at a town council meeting and I had spoken up. No, this okay before the show. Mm-hmm. At a town council meeting, spoke up simply because I couldn't handle what everyone was saying, and I couldn't handle that there was no voice of reason. So I stood up to speak, was approached afterwards by all the airport road guys, Brian and Caitlin's competitors, and they asked me to be a voice for them. So at the next episode, and I think it's episode three, you guys see me stand up and speak on behalf of them. Yes. That is the first time the crew ever met me. They heard me speak. And they approached me afterwards and said, hey, can we do an interview, especially if you're representing the competition? We want to understand what this is. And as we started doing the interviews and they expanded, they found out that I also had the interest in this cultivation facility. And it just grew from there. Totally natural, totally right place, right time, totally taking advantage of an open door. And that is why this is a CNN original <laughs> series show. Because yeah. they know what they're doing. Well, they know yeah. how to see a, you know, a diamond in the rough and be like, we need her to be well, part and of this too. I think <laughs> even though, you know, while this is a docuseries, it is important to present that other side. You know, I mean, while, while we have the pro versus anti-legalization uh, of marijuana, there's so much more to it on the business level. And yeah. it's it's great to kind of have you, as you say, a foil because it, it kind of expands the, what's going on here. It gives a, a more rich... Uh, I, you know, look into this world because up until this point, it's kind of like Brian and Caitlin's struggles against the government. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing like, no, this is many businesses struggling against each other and the government. And, yeah. you know, I, and I think, you know, I mean, it's, it, it goes without saying you 
have a very clear idea of what you want, and you're not afraid to get that. And I respect that. As someone who is very much like that, I respect that <laughs> quite a great deal. And that's why you you on the show has really endeared me to you. Because here's a woman who's going to go out and do her thing. Yeah. And, you know, some people might be like, oh, she's the bad guy. But really, in a docuseries, there's no good or bad. It's no. just the lay of the land. Sure. And I went into this knowing that it was a show that was already greenlit that was about Brian and Caitlin. Mm -hmm. So I knew that being their competition, that I was going to be a bad guy in some sense. And again, like you say, there's no No. good, there's no bad. But I knew that I was going to be an opposition. And I went into this with open eyes and saying, that's okay. Like, this is still a good opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's still a chance to show the world that this is just standard business. And the transparency of that is so important. Mm -hmm. So important to normalize what we're doing so that people like you and I and East Coast people (laughs) are not scared of it. Are not scared of it. And it's... Well, and it's, I mean, let's be honest, you saw a great opportunity and you took it. And that's, you know, that's what a solid business person does. Um, And I just, I want to say this just because this is a a thing of me. I feel like strong women are always somehow painted as the bad guys because we don't break down and we don't cry and we just kind of go forward. And I think that's... It's almost, yeah, I agree with you. It's almost like it automatically is seen as bitchy. Yeah. yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. You know, but but if, if you were a dude in that position, everyone would be like, oh man, he's awesome, he's great, yeah, go get him, Tiger, you know? Yeah. So I just I just find that is an interesting, you know, as we're talking about the culture of marijuana, I want to talk about the culture of, of women business yeah. owners. Yeah. I will say I have been pleasantly surprised by the positive response to Good. me, and even people specifically saying, as a strong business woman, I so respect you, I so appreciate what you're doing, mm-hmm. like, get out there and do it. Um, there's been some, there's been some seriously sexist <laughs> yeah. things that have surprised yeah. me. I've been told to get back in the kitchen and oh, make sandwiches and that kind of thing. Go make us but, some um, bread. Yeah, sure. No, that's totally, that's totally true. I mean, the the need for that, and it is like with your character, like you. I could see how some people could read it that way, but if you've owned a business and you know, you yeah. know that it, that's just what it takes. You have to leave the emotion out of it. Yeah. Even know that sometimes it is emotional. Yeah. But it's complete. It's very interesting how people perceive Brian versus myself because mm-hmm. we're both business people and we're both I we're both strong yeah. people. I would say I'm probably a little more aggressive than Brian is. Yeah. Um, but I think he might so. be a little more cocky though. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're, I feel like, and I could be wrong, but if you agree or not, like I feel like Brian's cocky, but it's not in a bad way cocky, but he knows his stuff and he knows what he needs to be, take yeah. a stand for. And, but I feel like you're a little bit more like, I'm going to go get it because I know, you, well, like it's a very different, but I mean, I love Brian. Yeah. Though. I think he's brilliant. I adore them. I, I do have a, is Brian younger than you as well? I don't yeah, know. I don't know his age. I don't know. So I, cause I, I kind of feel that that cockiness comes from being kind of a, a young gun. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm not saying anything negative about younger people running business. I just say there is something about age and maturity and having experienced things. You're, you're just going to come at it from a different place. Sure. That's it. The other piece to this is, like any business, but this in particular, there's so many risks that you're taking. And right. you have to mm-hmm. have this unnaturally high, almost pathological risk tolerance yes. to be able to do this. And if you're that kind of person, you're going to be a little narcissistic and you're mm-hmm. going to be a little egotistical. You have to, mm-hmm. to be able to step up and do this. Right. That's the personality that it takes. Right. So growing pot and working in Hollywood, very similar mindset. Yeah. <laughs> All Pretty much <laughs> Okay, so, and again, it is, this show, 
Really, I mean, everything we've said today can apply to any business. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and it's really interesting. And I really hope that people out there are watching this show more and more and are understanding that this isn't just a show about people, like, trying to get high. You know, it's not that at all. Um, So we see some more problems that are happening with... You know, Brian and Caitlin, their dispensaries, and again, another business thing. We go to the Crested Butte dispensary, Mm -hmm. and we have, you know, we see Brian talking to the manager, Patrick, and, like, they're having these problems that this facility is not, it's it's producing the same, uh, it has the same employee cost as a bigger facility, and it's producing one-third of the cost. That's a sticky Mm -hmm. situation, Mm -hmm. because, you know, in the beginning, they blew up, they have all this, you know, all this happening, they need all these employees, and now it's kind of like, uh-oh, what, what do we do here? Yeah. And again, that's something that if you've owned a business, you've had to fire somebody. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I will say, I think Brian handled that very well. So well. He got a ton of flack in the first first or second episode where he wouldn't give the one employee a raise, and there was a ton of social media Megan? pushback against mm-hmm. that. Yeah, what was her name? I don't Whatever it was. Is it Megan? I don't know. The, the one who was like, oh. more, more? No. No, but she, she the, the one who went the off and did her own thing. Yeah. Else, yes. And yes. she made it seem about safety, yeah. but it was really just about money. Right. Like, oh, yeah. We took, yeah. So he took a ton Mora. of. Mora, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he took Mora. a ton of social media flack for how he handled that particular situation. But I will say in this one, to have to go in and fire people and immediately to say, but we can offer a raise to those that are staying and to really balance that situation well, I think he handled it very well. Yeah. Very, very well for a really tough situation. I think he did, too. I, again, Brian is... I would hire him. Mm-hmm. I would want him to you know, run any business that I was a part of. Like He totally... Time after time after time, he makes the correct choice. Well, and when he doesn't, so he seems to learn from his mistakes. I think that's the important thing, too, is is that a, a good business person will learn and grow from even their, their missteps. Right. Um, you know, but this is only episode five, so we'll see. But I, know, I only got three <laughs> more. I'm so bummed. Oh, my God. I keep forgetting. Over. I don't know what to do with myself anymore. I don't know what to do on Sunday nights. <laughs> yeah. Come hang out with us. Glad <laughs> um, I know, right? Okay, so now... We've got, we move into your uh, grow facility. Mm-hmm. We've got your partner, Gabe, mm-hmm. who is very vocal in saying that, um, you know, in business, you guys kind of butt heads a little bit. We do. But, you know, talk to me about that partnership. So, I mean, you bring the business, he brings the growing knowledge, you butt heads, but who makes the calls at the end of the day? Because it's like, you have knowledge one place and mm-hmm. he has knowledge the other place, and you need both the knowledge. So how yeah. do you guys make that work? Because it seems like, even though you guys say that, it seems like it worked or is working. I don't know if it's sure. still working. You know, so what's that like? I will say that has evolved and changed. Okay. Um, one of the things I think that comes with maturity is understanding yourself and knowing who you are and knowing that I, I steamroll people. I do. Like, I just run in and I just get it done and I'm not at all concerned about anyone else's feelings or opinions or... I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Nope. So I will say that knowing that about myself, Mm -hmm. in the beginning of a partnership like that, I tried very hard to sort of sit back and to let that evolve naturally Mm -hmm. and to defer to him a little more than I necessarily wanted to. Um, that has evolved. And now I think it's become more where he defers to me because he knows that I am bringing the business side of things and he's looking for that in the partnership. Mm-hmm. So it works out well in that now it comes where I get to make the decisions, but also he wants me to make the decisions. Well, you know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, he seems very content that once he can start growing, that will be his his space where he's yep. very happy. His That's his expertise. Yes. And he'll feel very comfortable there. Yes. And, and you know, it's, it's almost I equate it to the, an artist. 
artist. You know, you know some of these some of these growers are you know it is an art form to them, and and creative types just want to do their creative thing and let someone else handle the business side. Yeah, yeah. And it's true because I mean, you even say, and I won't repeat your exact quote because I'll need to to beep something. Out. <laughs> but I mean, you you say something to the effect of, you know, you run a, you know how to run a business. You yeah. don't know anything about growing weed, no. but you know how to run a business. And I feel like that applies to anything really. If you have that skill set, you can you can figure out how to make anything work. Yep. And I think the most important thing in knowing how to run a business is knowing what you don't know. And knowing when to defer to someone else. So when we talk about me making the decisions, if it came to how to actually grow, I don't step in at all. Like, that is totally Gabe's territory. And I may recommend this or have heard this or ask Mm -hmm. this question, but he gets the final say in that territory because that's where he lives and that's what he knows. And that's not my skill set. So knowing where you're good and where you're not is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've always said that the two biggest things I've learned about the companies that I've owned is learning how to say, I don't know, and Mm -hmm. it's my fault. Yeah. I feel like those are the two most powerful things you can say being, you know, a business owner. Um, And we do see that, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're saying with you guys. And I can't wait to see what happens with that. (laughs) I mean, it is. It's so interesting because, like, the little things that he might not have thought of where, you know, last Mm -hmm. week how you were like, we need one more light. So if you have one more light, it increases it by $200,000 every two months. And that's this amount of money. So get the guy to come in and do it. You know, and it's like sometimes the person that's in it more doesn't see that. They're just so focused on their particular skill set. So that's really interesting how uh, that all shakes out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, talk to me about you being Coors. What, like, how did that happen? What made you, you know, you were involved. How did you even get involved in the marijuana business? God, another right place, right time, open door, being willing to step through. Mm -hmm. Um, Gabe needed a financial investment and came to me and said, do you know anyone? And I said, oh, yes, yes, I do. (laughs) So between myself and some other people, we were able to gather the money that they needed. And it was just a, hey, we're here. Once we put the money in, then we just started getting more involved. And the the wholesale side of it, seeing that full perspective is just how my brain works. It's just how my brain Mm -hmm. works. And I think it's also, like you were saying, being the outside perspective. So people that had been in it for so long and with medical in Colorado, originally you had to own, if you were a retail dispenser, you had to own your own cultivation center. Right. So it was new at that time that you could even begin wholesaling at all. I came into it with a business mentality and in every other business, if I'm buying alcohol or if I'm buying children's toys or if I'm buying curtains, I'm not making what I'm selling. Someone's making it. Someone else is selling it. So that was just my standard business mindset that came in from that perspective. So this this happened. I mean, I know that in the show, it seems that it happened after, you know, you were hired by the airport road people. Is mm-hmm. that true sequence of events? So you were involved with these talks and the council and then it just then you met Gabe and were asked to do be an investor, pretty much? I already knew Gabe, and the timing is pretty similar. I actually okay. don't mm-hmm. remember which happened first, first and which happened second, but they were very close in timing. Okay, so all sure. of a sudden it was you're just like, what were you doing before this? Uh, corporate management consulting. That's insane. And all <laughs> of a sudden you're like, <laughs> I'm going to go. Right. Yeah, but it explains yeah. your know-how yes. for this. Yeah. So. yeah. That's wow. awesome. That's so... 
Yeah, because because you know you obviously I mean your house was gorgeous and you know hopefully we get to see a cute little awesome place in town. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what, what you know, but it was uh, it, it was just nice when you know my boyfriend was like, God, what what did she do? Like, yeah. who is she? Where'd she come from? Where'd all her money yeah. come from? And I'm like, well, honey, it is Colorado, so that isn't a you know I know that's a four million dollar house here, <laughs> right. but um, it's still I mean it, you've done so well for yourself. Yeah, like, thank you. I don't know. I, Sorry, I'm just so fascinated. No, please. Yeah. I started mm-hmm. consulting early early 20s, and mm-hmm. I hit six figures in my early, early 20s, and then just always made more than I could spend mm-hmm. and just started banking it. Right. Um, Knowing that awesome. somewhere yeah. be yeah. an opportunity like yeah. this. And it says something about, you know, your character as well, like you as a person, mm-hmm. is that, you know, a big thing about a business owner and entrepreneurship is you got to be willing to go all in. Yep. And this shows that you're confident <laughs> enough in yourself mm-hmm. to go all in. Yeah. And that's, you know, with big risk comes big reward. Like yeah. it doesn't happen any other way. Like the safety net of people that try and start businesses kind of usually always collapses. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I have a couple friends who want to do fashion design and they're like, oh, we'll keep our little retail jobs and try to make clothing on the side. I'm like, you can't. You no. have to, if you want to be successful, you have to you know, learn to live on without that net. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm like, uh, can we just go speed watch the next three episodes? So <laughs> right. What can we have? Can it? we like call you and have you like sure. on again? Sure. You're staying in LA for three weeks. I don't know if you know. <laughs> oh, darn. Sorry. I um, yeah, it's really, again, this episode for me, it's all about, you know, partnerships. We do see, again, Brian and Caitlin, mm-hmm. you know, they go out to dinner at Steamboat. I love Steamboat, one of my favorite places. <laughs> um, and, again, Caitlin's having these breakdowns, which, again, are very difficult for me to watch because it is so back and forth. And it's, it's interesting to me that they did this all in one episode because mm-hmm. she's kind of been a little bit of a sleeper. She's always been there, and she's always been adding her sense in, but she's always been somewhat of a positive influence in the fact that she didn't complain, or she kind of just went with whatever they needed to do, she was just on board getting it done, and she's finally voicing her opinion, and she is a little bit wishy-washy. It's hard for me. It's very hard. I feel like this is the female episode. I mean, Mm -hmm. you've got Elizabeth in the beginning, and then it is. It's Caitlin and I back and forth, and you're just seeing how different we are. And I'm not saying good or bad, right or wrong. It's different. And from my personality, it's very hard for me to watch. Mm -hmm. Very hard. I mean, if you look at the end of the episode, we're behind. And so what I do is I stop, I downsize, I move to a smaller place, I save money, and I make a plan on how we're going to go forward. Mm -hmm. They're struggling and they're behind, and she goes out to dinner and starts crying. Like, it's just a, it's a very different mindset, and it's hard for me to watch. It's very hard for me to watch. Yeah. And again, no fault to her, you know? Like, I, I feel like what she's experiencing is real for her, and I feel like she maybe you know like you know this is your path and this is what you want to do and you're going to be the cores and i'm i would invest that you're going to be the cores you know she kind of maybe got told this is a good idea she was on board for the idea sure, yeah. she's going along for it but it's been five years for her and she's like i, I don't I, think this I is what understand. she it, i just get the impression this isn't what passion. she wants yeah it's not what she wants to be doing but she's you know, trying her best. And, uh, and you know, it's really hard to be in a position to support someone when maybe you have to put some of your own personal dreams on hold. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. When it comes to this, it is, I am, I work 12, 14, 16 hour days. I work seven days a week right now. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I absolutely love it. It's what I want to do. I have no personal life. I'm okay with that. Right. I don't think mm-hmm. she's that same personality. Yeah. 
I mean, she yeah. even says that she wants to have a family and, and have other other things, and it's like it almost seems like at this point, you know, it's like how essential is she if if she, if her passion isn't there, and if work and everyone around her is suffering because of that? It's like don't wait to get out. Maybe just get out now and then replace that with someone who wants that position. Well, yeah, it is. And again, it comes back to partnerships, to her and Brian's mm-hmm. partnerships. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's maybe been balling up what she's feeling because yeah. she wants to support Brian. Yeah. But in essence, again, with any it's like with any partnership, mm-hmm. you know, you have to have that communication. Yeah. You have to be able to have those tough talks until it gets to a point um, where it boils up and you just And working with implode. your your romantic partner is just... That is... <laughs> I, I worked with my ex-fiance, and we, uh, well, there's a reason he's my ex-fiance. Ex-fiance. Yeah, <laughs> the other partner on the show, mm-hmm. Marty, that you, he doesn't actually speak in this episode, but I think he is briefly in, gave in my meeting, yeah. Yeah. is my ex-boyfriend. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was off there. I was like, oh, who's that guy who doesn't want to yeah. talk on the side? Well, that's really funny. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how that will play out, you know, for Brian and Caitlin's relationship slash business relationship. Um... Okay, so that brings us to, for me, maybe the most interesting part of this episode. (laughs) You you call Brian. I do call Brian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two things about that. One, you've got balls, and I love it. (laughs) Two, Brian's so genuine. I don't know how much of that conversation was edited, but the fact Mm -hmm. that he was just giving you the information of what he was doing, knowing that you were kind of, you know, for the airport road people, which again, I don't know, and I love you and I mean it, but I don't know that I completely agree with all that stuff because Mm -hmm. the fact that Brian and Caitlin had weathered the storm of Main Street... (laughs) Uh-oh, there's something there. Okay, I love it, love it, love it. We'll get to it. Go it seems to me mm-hmm. that Brian and Caitlin have weathered that storm, and I didn't, you know, you're not clear on how many of the airport road dispensaries m- might be able to afford that rent or, yeah. or, or do that. So mm-hmm. it's almost, but, and now and now you're kind of in support of it because you have this bigger picture of, like, well, I can wholesale everybody, so I can't have this go away. But, sure. But then it's also dropped on you that, yeah, you have a competition. Absolutely. Right. The show... There was a lot there. There's so much there. I know. (laughs) Sorry. I just... Yes, no. Um, The show overlaps my wholesale operation with the Main Street fight because they were happening concurrently. Right. That said, in my mind, they were always separate things. Right? Right. Because my wholesale operation, I may or may not even wholesale in Breckenridge. So where dispensaries were located, in my mind, never mattered to me from the wholesale perspective. Right? Right. When it comes to the Main Street fight, the piece that's missing is what happened before the show started, right? Mm -hmm. So medical world, some dispensaries opened on Main, some dispensaries opened over in the airport road area. There weren't major restrictions about it. They just kind of opened where they could. In the span of the couple medical years, a couple businesses went out of business. For what reasons they went out of business is up for debate, right? Okay. Some people went out of business. What that meant was when recreational passed, Brian was the only person on Main Street and everybody else was on Airport Road. When Amendment 64 passed in Colorado and said, hey, yes, we're going to go recreational, every town had the decision to say we're going to accept recreational or not. Town of Breck met and said, you know what? Yes, we're a pro-pot town. We've always approved every pot measure 70 to 30 we're going to let recreational sales happen here in Breckenridge. But we're going to be cautious, and we're going to say, I don't want anybody on Main Street. Okay? In the eyes of the law, a medical business is a completely separate business than a recreational business. 
So, yes, Brian was already in that location, but in the eyes of the law, he was starting a new business. And the town could say, we don't want anybody on Main Street, so no recreational licenses will get approved on Main Street. So if Brian, so if I'm understanding you correctly, if Brian would have just kept that facility as medical marijuana, that could have stayed, and then they could have op- opened a recreational one on Airport Road and could have had both? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that, that is never mentioned. So. Yep. Yeah. So then, right, he could, that, yeah. the town said, we're not going to let anybody be wreck on Main Street. Mm-hmm. Well, Brian went to council and said, hey, I'm already here. Can I get an extension? Right. That was September of 2013. Yeah. The town said, you know what? We feel bad for you. We'll give you, how long is your lease? And he said, I have a year left of my lease. All right, we'll give you till the end of your lease. We'll give you till September yeah. of 2014 to stay. We don't know if he is there currently or not yet. Okay. So don't. Mm-hmm. I won't. Us. Okay. I won't. I'm only getting up to the show. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Perfect. Like, Thank you. Yeah, I was so like, mm-hmm. you can stay through September of 2014. Mm-hmm. Right. Great. The other, the airport road guys weren't happy about it, but nobody really, nobody understood how much money was going to come in on January 1. January right. 1 yeah. passed. Brian's the only one there. You see how much money he's raking in simply by being the only person who's accessible to the tourists. Mm-hmm. Right. He then submits a citizen's initiative, which is essentially a law that the town can vote on if you get enough signatures. He submits a citizen's initiative that says only he can stay on Main Street and can stay into perpetuity. Hmm. Because he submitted that is why the airport road guys had to speak up and why they hired me because they knew that they didn't have a voice. They weren't the person, know what, you, know what you're good at, know what yeah. you're not. They didn't right. have a voice. So they hired me to be their voice because there was no way they could let a law pass that said all of this money will continue to be legislated directly into someone else's pocket. Now, and I understand a million reasons why they would, but mm-hmm. why did, did they not just hire a lawyer if it was like mm-hmm. a law? Um, because it was technically a law that could pass. So it's it was a, still like a more lobbying. lobbying. Okay, lobbying. Yeah. So they needed more lobbying mm-hmm. rather than okay. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Got it. Got it. Yep. Yeah, because it wow. seems like it seems like Brian was trying to take advantage of a, of an opportunity for himself. Absolutely. And, you know, and I, well, I feel I don't know that. Well, he saw he saw an opportunity and he went for it. I mean, there's exactly. And, yeah, I don't again, know that he was trying to take advantage. I think he was trying. Well, to, well not take not take advantage as to put other people down. He took advantage of the. Of, he yeah. took. He saw something and he's like, I'm gonna go so, for this. Yeah, I like to believe that Brian will do anything that's best for his business. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he'll feel co- he's yeah. a throw people under the bus type businessman. No, no. And, and he said that. I, I think people miss in, I don't know if it was episode three or episode four, where him mm-hmm. and I first meet in person. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the very first move, move as the airport road representative was, Brian, let's work together yeah. from yeah. my perspective. And his answer was no. Yeah, his answer he said, was no. I don't want to fight yeah. for everybody. Exactly. For me, something like that. Exactly. Yeah, I remember that. And so he chose first to not work with us. And then you see how I react from there, um, keeping in mind that my that first move like? was let's work that let's do it together. What would have that looked like in your guys' mind working together, like working together so that Brian mm-hmm. can stay on, so that everyone can go to Maine? Yep. So then, what do you think his fear in that was that he might like how how it's been said he might not have the best product, the best this, the best that. If other people were on Maine, he'd still have to split the business. Sure. So okay. ultimately, in that period, what we were discussing, and it was before the potential of even sending it to the vote had come up was, all right, well, if we're going to let other people in Maine, what are the restrictions going to be? And I wanted to present a cohesive front with Brian. And I wanted to say, Brian, let's agree on the restrictions that we believe in and let's go in and actually lay on the table and recommend what they would be so that we can all figure out if we're all coming to Maine or we're not, let's actually do this together and work it sideline 
bring it, get it passed versus creating this big dramatic piece about it. And do you think at that point in time, the business, the dispensaries that were on Airport Road could have afforded to move mm-hmm. in? Because, yeah. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yep. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Part one. <laughs> Part two. Back to the call. Mm-hmm. So Brian is very receptive and open to this conversation with mm-hmm. you, which again, I give him a lot of credit yeah. for because, you know, at one, like, he doesn't really know your stance. Like, he doesn't really know your motive, so to speak. Sure. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's being so open, um, I, re- I really like that. And how you, you know, and again, how you're being so open. You're like, okay, we need to figure something out. You know, town council has hired this outside consultant or whatever um, that person is called to try and make the vote go in their favor. Mm-hmm. And then you start to talk to Brian about, you know, what if for some reason, which hopefully we find out next episode because I want to know. <laughs> hopefully, you know, we, um, what was I say? So having this conversation about this vote, he comes out and says that, you know, what happens if you lose mm-hmm. that he wants to wholesale as well. Mm-hmm. And then it's just kind of like stopped. It's interesting that you give him credit for that because I would call it naive. I well, would call that call, level of no. openness. That, that I think it's credit for having an open conversation with you. Okay. I think it's a little bit crazy that he told you his plan. Yeah. Like, yeah. I literally, they will directly compete now. Like, the, you know what I mean? Like, I literally was like, why? Why? Unless he's asking for your help. Again, if we didn't get the whole conversation, unless he's like, I want to do this, what are you doing? Because you don't seem to tell him that you're doing. He never thing. asked me. Yeah, right. never asked, That's and he crazy. just volunteered. I I think it's again. I'm just going to throw my assumption from just watching the show. Yeah. It seems like he's somebody who want. He just doesn't get it. Yeah, you know he he has the great like the best of intentions, and he gets a lot of things. But then there's some things he doesn't quite get, and and I think that comes from being young or maybe inexperienced. And you know, obviously, if you if you worked as a corporate consultant, you understand the more uh, intricacies mm-hmm. of business, and um, you know, let's let's be honest, there are businesses that you have to keep secrets. Yeah, and you know, yeah. there is corporate espionage. Uh, that's you know one of the best ways that you can learn about your competition is go out for a drink with them and see what they have to say. Yeah. So, and yeah. if they're willing to open, it's not like you're doing anything bad. It's it's on their part. And I think I think Brian is a great guy, and I think uh, he you know he's someone I want to go hang out with, and he's someone I totally ha- hire as a manager. Um, but, but I think he's like learning. He's honest to a fault. Yeah. 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 That's, you know, that's that's yeah. kind of what I see. But I still think he's a smart businessman. Oh, yeah. The way that he's handled a lot of this, I feel like there's but, a lot of credit to go to him. And again, I feel like he's at such a loss that it's almost like, who else does he, like, I don't know. I should have hired you to come. I know. Oh, right? Yeah. Brian is an excellent small business yeah. owner. He's Thank an you. excellent small yeah. business owner. That is exactly what I was just thinking. And it's like if he were like, you know, the Etsy of marijuana shops, you know, mm-hmm. run that small business. You know, I, I think once you start to think on such a grand scale, you need to have some some help coming in from other ends. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I th- I, I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I wonder if if Caitlin wasn't there, would Brian then have hired someone that might have been a bigger business thinker, and would it be a different situation? Who knows? But Caitlin couldn't not be there because Brian can't own it. Oh, I'm saying, like, in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm saying, like, once he can own it, you know, if she's not there. Or can can she be, like, more of a silent partner and they Mm -hmm. bring in a third or something? Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, Speculations. Yeah, yeah, I know. Lots and lots of Well, and that's, and that's a great thing because, you know, I'm, I feel like as a viewer, I'm learning. I'm like, oh, I never thought about this. Cause I'm not I'm not a business person. You know, I'm, I've always worked in news. So, you know, I'm learning so much about how to build a business. And right. I'm like, well, okay. I, I can see this and I'll learn from this and yeah. you know yeah no I agree there's a lot to learn yeah. from again business in any well, type of business from these shows yeah. you know and, and I think it's I think both of your perspectives are really interesting because you know you've you both have worked in the business industry and I think it's really fascinating to hear you know both sides because you know you had that small company that went big you know you, yeah. got, you went into that corporate world and you've come from the corporate world and I think both of you have really uh, honest answers and insides to this so I think it's I don't know I'm just going to sit back and enjoy them. <laughs> Wait, uh, whiskey, no. please. No. Um, make it a double. Yeah, make it a double. So, okay, so tell us, without spoiling the last three yeah. episodes, what, how's it going for you now? Like, what's mm-hmm. what's going on? Can you do that or will it spoil? I don't know how to do that without spoiling, right. honestly. Yeah. But yeah. I want you to be able Talk to promote what you're working on. So I think we have yeah. to just, you know... La 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 la. I, I, I mean, I I think. I, I, what's what's your current project? Sure. There's actually yeah. two different things okay. that we're doing. We're still working on the wholesale side, mm-hmm. right. um, and we're still growing that brand, uh, Clever Gent Bud. You can find mm-hmm. us clevergentbud.com. There it is. If you and we're also doing some things on the consulting side. We are now working with. I think it's episode four or five mm-hmm. where um, Gabe and I are having a conversation about increasing our yield and the amount of money we can come in. Right. The guys that we were working for to do that, working with to do that, turns out they were getting twice the yield at half the cost per pound anyone else indoor was doing. Wow. Twice the yield at half the cost per pound. Yeah. Where you're looking, depending on the size of your facility, that's anywhere from one to thirty million extra in profit yeah. a year. Mm-hmm. That's a, a lot. Year. Yeah. Pure I'll profit. Take it. Right? So we're working with them right now to package their methodology and sell it to other licensed cultivators mm. um, to bring that to the market. So. You mentioned um the Marley yeah, the yeah. Bob Marley, Marley brand. Is there like I, I would? Ne- I mean, I get I would have eventually, but like licensing weed. Yeah, like that's so it's happening. It's um, crazy. There's a couple big names. Willie Nelson has what? Uh, Willie's Reserve. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Of course he does. Yep. <gasps> Bob Marley's family now has Marley mm-hmm. Natural. Um, there's a Cheech and Chong. There's a Tommy Chong is doing a bunch in the industry. I don't know if he has a line of marijuana, but he has it. products. Wow. Snoop Dogg has products, and I believe a line. And then I just heard there's a new famous celebrity that also is now starting a line. Oh my god! So it's so crazy because for I me, when this. I had my um, clothing line, we licensed the DC Comics, and like I could just see this. I mean, that's probably way. Oh, yeah. far away, but like the Superman. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if we'll be seeing. Yeah, but but some. Yeah. Guys, but yes, I mean, right. okay, so we're seeing people who we've associated with weed culture for, mm-hmm. for several decades, um, which is great for the early adopters to weed culture. Yeah. But I want you know I want to come and see like one of the the newer celebrities come out with like the the Katy Perry line or something because that's going to change it. That's going to really yeah. put it in a different uh, set of you know hands. And then you know, so and something we've we've talked about in every episode, but I want to get your opinion on it. Okay, we we can drink, we can have kids in Oktoberfest being rolled around while parents are holding the kid in one right. hand drinking beer. What is the you know since you've wor- you've had experience with the town council, how do they justify that? How do they wrap their heads that alcohol's okay? It, and it's decades of misinformation and it's culture. And I will say, I grew up conservative, Republican, a little waspy, yeah. middle class. Um, 
I believed that drugs were bad. I mean, yeah. I think, was it you that said Nancy Reagan poster child? Yep. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. very much drugs were bad. And it was just this line that you're taught to believe in. You just have this faith that this is good and this is bad. Yeah. Right. And it's changing that mindset and changing that culture and just experiencing it. And that's why I think this show is so important to normalize that. There's people in the industry that are upset with this show because it's so dramatic. Yeah. Um, one, it's not intentionally dramatic. That's just what happened in real life. But two, it is, it's normalizing it and it's right. bringing it to say, this is just business. And you know what? I would much rather smoke marijuana than drink. Yeah. I have replaced my evening glass or two or three of wine with a couple hits at night now. Right. Helps me sleep. I don't feel anything. I don't feel hungover or sluggish in the morning. There's no after effects from it. It's a much better recreational yeah. activity for me. No, and it's, it's you yeah. know, and I've, I've said on the show several times, I've, I've come to marijuana very new where you know i'm like oh no no drugs all bad drugs and, and i'm moving to la I've, I've been exposed to it i'm like this isn't bad it's not scary yeah. i'm like yeah. i'm like my, my friend who like had a hit of marijuana versus my friend who had three drinks i'm gonna go home with the friend who had a hit of marijuana because my friend can't find their keys right and that right and you know it's it's amazing to see even in a year yeah how open it's so different become. because I, I come from like a completely different place like yeah. the first time mm-hmm. I smoked pot I was 14 <laughs> so it was like yeah. just it was never like it was a drug but mm-hmm. it but it wasn't yeah you know and yeah whoo. now I was such a goody two shoes I didn't even have my first sip of alcohol till college I didn't even touch alcohol in high school wow. much less marijuana well, and much so less see, marijuana and I think for me yeah, yeah well my I first I have to t- my first experience with marijuana was oh my god oh my god so my first day of college Mm -hmm. again hadn't even had a drink of alcohol went to a college i didn't know anybody my roommate knew a bunch of people so she took me to a party we walk into this party and people were passing a joint and everybody's smoking and Mm -hmm. it smells like weed i freaked out started crying walked into the hallway sat in the hallway and cried for three hours until she was ready to leave because i couldn't even be in the room if they were smoking marijuana Whoa! And now yeah. you are like the lead, you know, leading Breckenridge, like uh, you know, but lobbyist. That's amazing. Yes. That has, that that's, has a lot to say. Yes. And, and to, Meredith, to what yeah. you were saying earlier, yeah, I wish some. I mean, it's it's the game of the way the world works. Yeah. Not that mm-hmm. I agree with it, but I wish some clean cut celebrity would do something with yeah. it because yeah. that's what changes. It's it's the people that you think you like Snoop Dogg, Willie Nelson, love them. Yeah, both, but you, you know you. It makes sense. Well, there, there was is. a big brouhaha. We were in D.C. lobbying, and oh. Tommy Chong was supposed to come, mm-hmm. and he was asked not to come for that reason. Yeah. Just yeah. it's it's that clean-cut image that they were trying to put on it. Yeah, which, yeah. again, I'm not saying I agree with it, but if you're going to play the game, it's like yeah. you almost need to know the rules that, of the game. That said, I'm glad that no mm-hmm. one else is doing it because that's our target market. Yeah. So, yeah. right, when you talk about the Willie Nelson and the Snoop Dogg and the Tommy Chong stepping into the arena – that's great because I'm not trying to compete with them, and mm-hmm. I don't want to compete with them. I can't compete with them. Right. My market is the over 30 professional who either hasn't smoked in a long time, is just starting, smokes very casually, yeah. and is just looking to have a few hits, not really get, you know, super well, stoned. And, and you know, this is something that I, yeah. I realized and learned as I, you know, went into college and would come back home and see my family. I found out that my people in my family circle would smoke weed, and I'm like, what? You no, this is bad. They're like, well, no, you can't do it as a child. But what adults do as, in a controlled, casual way, and I, my mind was blown. I was like, everything I knew was a lie, <laughs> and I was like, but well, then it became less scary. Yes, to me. Yeah. yeah, and it is just interesting how this 
drug. I mean, we, we talked about it, I think, last episode mm-hmm. or the week before, how it used to be a Schedule 1 drug. Like, it was in the mm-hmm. same category as heroin. It still is a Schedule it's 1 still, drug. Really? still wow. is a Schedule wow. 1 drug. Wow, that's crazy. And it's just very um, ignorant, I guess yeah. is the word I'm looking for. Like, that's just crazy. That's where you get very conspiracy theory about it when you look mm-hmm. at how it actually became illegal and you look at the people who were pushing the illegality of it. Yeah. Um, and something like hemp that is so much more versatile than other textiles. Mm-hmm. That's uh, what I was saying. Yeah, it's versatile. It's like this plant. It's I don't know if it was called God's plant, but there was some term used back in like the 70s or 60s or 70s. Yeah. I was having a conversation with my mom, and it was crazy because they had this, you know, this plant that could be used hemp for everything Mm -hmm. then it also could have these medical benefits so it was almost like they didn't know what to do with it so they just were like nope can't do it because we don't know we don't know what this is which is taboo which they do with a lot of things that they don't know which is pharmaceutical companies are just going to go down that route man and in a world before the internet you know you believe what you read you believe what the media is telling you you don't know anything else other than what is being put out there in a PR message yeah right and the message was drugs are bad war on drugs mm-hmm. down with drugs yeah. just yeah. say no mm-hmm. well I, I hope <laughs> yeah just say no that, that dog and tell that, someone the dare <laughs> program yeah um i had that shirt yeah so did i <laughs> i would wear it when i got no i'm just kidding i and i think one of the things that cnn has done really well with high profits and and um bat uh bat Rid, what's the production company? Batridge. Batridge, thank Bridge. you. Batridge, that's it. Yes. Um, Batman Productions, no. Batridge Productions, <laughs> and, and everyone on this show is that we're seeing the people that we don't typically associate with marijuana, and yeah. I think it's been normalizing it. I think of, of everyone, I think you're one of the the most unexpected people. Um, and I yeah. think if, in, if we are going to talk very frankly about a change of a PR tap, tactic to make marijuana accessible and, and okay, is that you need more people like you and, and people on, on this panel and people who are watching CNN's demographic to talk yeah. about it. I mean, I, I, I've always said that, um, medical marijuana's best uh, friend is um, Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Yeah. Because here's yeah. a, here's a professional going on nightly newscast saying, guys, Let's legalize it. Let's make it happen. There are good things. And I think if, the more that we talk about it, the more we're open to looking at what marijuana can do versus what it can't or supposedly can do. Right. It's going to open up a, a br- bigger conversation, regardless if you're you know, okay with it or not. I think it's an important thing we need to be talking about because we are looking at something that on recreational side has a great deal of medical purposes Absolutely. that I really yeah. would like to Absolutely. see more expanded on. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that it is that taboo. And this, yeah. you know, with, with so many things, the thing that bugs me so much is that there's no reason, there's no true or valid reason why people have a fear of this. Other than we're told. There's no... Yeah, yeah there's no... Well, I don't like marijuana because my friend got way too high and... You know, punched somebody. You know, got yeah. way too aggressive. Oh, he, no- ate, he ate my bag of chips. <laughs> yeah, sure. There's no store. There's not. No. Uh, I got no. Yeah. driving while stoned. No. There, no. There's no legitimate evidence to why this is bad. Well, and it is funny. And I will say, yeah. I'm not an anti-Western medicine person, right? I, yeah. I take drugs, and, and they're the reason that we've evolved to a certain point, and that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That said... There are plenty of doctors that hand out Percocets like candy, right? How many people have overdosed from a Percocet? Yeah. No one has ever, ever died from an overdose on marijuana. Zero confirmed deaths from a marijuana overdose. But something like a Percocet that just seems okay and Mm -hmm. is not taboo and not culturally bad 
easy to hand out, easy to pass around. And mixed with alcohol mm-hmm. and... Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's like a it's, whole n- another show about. I know. I, yeah, I, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm so afraid of a lot of Western medicine. Like, I, I'll take Advil if you know if I have to, but I'm just like, I am deathly afraid of like even like the prescription strength ibuprofen. You know, I'm like, I don't want to take that because I'm not a fan of it either. Yeah. But I think for me, that comes from being an athlete because you, yeah. you don't want to mask your pain because you don't really mm. know what's going on in your body, which would not make sense why I ever smoked marijuana. <laughs> but that's my reasoning. Yeah. Another show entirely that's an interesting one yeah. is Athletes and Marijuana and how many people actually use it as a performance enhancer. I was talking about this yesterday actually because mm-hmm. I do a lot of sports shows and it's crazy because you can give an athlete the per- Percocets and all yeah. these other painkillers but if they smoke marijuana they're suspended for games mm-hmm. even though it has less effect and can actually do something to their pain that these other things can't. Yep. Oh it gets me uh, so yeah. mad. <laughs> and like a lot of the big pill mill issues especially in Florida came about from having sports doctors being able to write these prescriptions off to anyone and it oh, uh uh <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I just, I don't, my, my brain doesn't understand how things work sometimes, and I get angry. Yeah, and, you know, I think, you know, what what do we think? Let's talk about the future with yeah. this, with this drug, you know, that what they call it. It's not, I don't know what to call it. Yeah, like, but ibuprofen's a drug, too, yeah, so. It's, it's yeah, it's a drug. Yeah. It's a drug. Um, yeah, that, that word, I think, I know. is a negative connotation. Yep. Yeah. Um, we talk a lot about words in this industry yeah, and what a, words you use and what you call it and calling it cannabis instead, instead of, of weed or yeah. pot or that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, that that is, that is the biggest mm-hmm. point, actually. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the language in which, you know, we talk about it that is what's going to change it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I do. I, uh, there's just so much that we can talk about. With but this. I, it's, I, I will say uh, this. It's coming. This train has left the station. It's not going back. It's only speeding up. We're at a place right now where more than 80% of the country supports medical marijuana. More than 80% supports medical marijuana. And more than 50% supports recreational marijuana. So do you think, this is my my final question, maybe, maybe there'll be more. (laughs) Do you think that, like, what's that going to look like? Like, say it's legalized everywhere. Is the government going to come in and cut it with stuff to make it, you know, grow longer? Like, how they do with, you know produce and this and that like is it going to change the genuineness of the product just so that they can make money off of it like that's my fear sure sure i think one of the things that's really unique about marijuana is the time that it's coming to maturity um we're in a place in this world where we learned from tobacco and i don't think this is ever going to be the big tobacco situation Mm -hmm. um we're in a place where people are supporting healthy eating and supporting natural products and supporting non-gmos and so i don't see i don't see marijuana getting too far down that path that said it's a huge market so there's going to be if i'm growing tomatoes right i might grow a ketchup tomato really cheaply and for whatever and it just gets processed into this ketchup or i might grow a really specific fine tomato that's going to be diced up into a fancy salsa that you pay thirty dollars for there's going right. to be this. Mm-hmm. Oops, excuse me. <laughs> There's going to be this huge market for it, and it's going to be all different ways. Um, people that are fighting the corporatizing of it are fighting a losing battle, right? Everybody's afraid of the corporate assholes. Right. The corporate is inevitable, but maybe we can do something about the asshole. Right. Yeah. I really believe that marijuana has the opportunity to change the face of capitalism, to change the way America does business. Wow, that's I love that. Yeah. yeah. And how? long do you see or when do you see it being possible to you know 
have your wholesale facility shipping like oh we got an order in New York let's ship a couple pounds over there like what do you think that timeline is that's the favorite question of everyone and we're all pooling it out of the air Um, it's longer than you'd think especially shipping over state lines my personal expectation is that before it's you know federally hey free for all it'll be federally hey states it's okay you do what you want um, so I think we're pretty far out from far out, yeah. a transporting across state lines I mean, situation. There's even, like, Georgia, you can't have liquor delivered across state lines. Like, I can't join a yeah. wine club if I was living in Georgia. So, I mean, you know, if they still can't Those ship wine alcohol. clubs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Into my wine clubs. In, in yeah. Pennsylvania, yeah. you buy your beer from a different store than you buy wine and liquor. Mm-hmm. And that in New kind York, of... it's kind of like that, too. Yeah. Or well, at least it was. You, you, it's like you have to, like, here in California, you can buy liquor in at, the, at Target. You can buy yeah. liquor anywhere. That was weird. In New York, it's like yeah. they don't sell liquor well, in the grocery store. Yeah. In, in in Florida, you can buy beer and wine at the grocery store, but liquor, hard liquor, has to be at a separate yeah, store. In Alabama, you have the Alabama Beverage Council, so a state-run uh, that sell, you can only buy your liquor yeah. there. So it's, it's really, it is still very state-by-state when you think and about alcohol. And in the South, there are still counties that are dry completely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how marijuana is going to end up. That's yeah. it, it'll be different state by state. It'll be always complicated, always these odd regulations. Right. Awesome. Well, <sighs> I think uh, any last words yeah. before we uh, wrap up here? No, I think that's it. Thank I you guys know. so much for having me. Thank, Thank you. you so yeah. much for coming. Yeah. We really, really, really appreciate your time, of travel, course. energy. Yeah. Of course. Brain, this, I mean, this was, I, I feel, one of the very more educational episodes, yeah. too. So thank you very much was, for enlightening everyone on this. Yeah, it was a yeah. perfect uh, yeah. show to guest on. Where can the people mm-hmm. find and follow all of your stuff that's happening in your life? Sure. I'm on all social media at 55 Gallon Drum. That's 55 Gallon Drum. Or you can follow us on our website, www.clevergentbud.com. Awesome. What about you, Meredith? You can find me at M Placco on the Twitter and the Instagrams. I and post you, pictures of cats. <laughs> she does. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> and you guys can find me on all the social media platforms at I-A-M-S-T-E-F-Z. Give me a tweet. Keep the conversation going. Meredith likes that I one. Do. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next week. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 